You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. I invite you to turn in your scripture this morning to the book of Luke again, Luke chapter 1. We're in verse 57. There's another question about a child in this passage, a little child that came before the child. Uh, and we're going to look at that this morning again as we've been looking at, at uh, the story of John the Baptist as we look through here. As you're on your way to Luke chapter 1, verse 57, I have one of the pictures. There's many good ones, but this is one of them that comes up. I have a rotation and a, some sort of system to say who's been up here, but this is uh, from Oliver. Where is, I don't know where Oliver is at. There, oh, back somewhere back there. Okay, there. He's, what? Oh, he's getting crayons. Oliver, hey, you're getting crayons. You're right up here, bud. Okay. Um, Oliver drew, this is the sanctuary, I believe. Where we were, we've been there a couple weeks with Zachariah in the, in the temple with the altar of incense and praying and, and then the angel encountering, uh, Gabriel encountering Zachariah in the temple and, uh, I think he's got the prayer of Zechariah down at the bottom here. You can read it here. I want a son. And that angel said, your prayers have been answered. And other prayers, I think, were being answered as well. But thank you, Oliver, for drawing that for us. Hopefully by this time you're in Luke verse, chapter 1, verse 57. Let me read this portion through 66 here as we listen to God's Word again. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. They said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened, and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Let's pray once again. Lord, again, we we just come to you as we open up your word today. Your precious word, as Brandon prayed, your preserved word for us. May we not treat it lightly. It is your... uh, word to instruct, guide, reprove us, and train us, and really lead us to what all of this Christmas is about, Jesus Christ, the Savior. I pray we'll be led that way as we contemplate and we ponder what is in this passage. Would you, by your Spirit, work in each heart here? No heart is here. No person is here by accident in this particular building on this particular day. Would you speak in the way you do by your Spirit to our hearts, to prepare us for this Savior. And Lord, go deep with your Spirit inside us that you would work your will, that we would glorify your name. And we ask this for this time, in Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, I wonder if you've done any pondering lately. Have you done any pondering? Uh, any thinking or contemplating? Whenever I need a definition, it's Webster's 1828, and he says this in pondering. What does pondering mean? It means to weigh in the mind, to consider and compare the circumstances or consequences of an event or the importance of the reasons for or against a decision. I think pondering, in my notes, I, I changed I had pondering's hard to do. Sometimes I think pondering is easy to do. I think it's easy to ponder and weigh out things that we really shouldn't be anxious about. We, we do ponder a lot, and they're just things we shouldn't be anxious about. And, but we, we ponder them, and, we, and they swirl around. Perhaps harder pondering, contemplating, thinking, is to think on the things of God. Maybe you do this often, and if so, that's wonderful. But it's to pause and to think on the things of God. Sometimes this is challenging. It's challenging. We don't have time. I mean, we've got to get to things. I've got I to think the next day through. I've got to think today through. I've got to think about what I'm worrying that I need to think about. There's just all sorts of things. And, or we're busy. Or it takes just, it's just too much effort. Here's, here's a portion of Scripture, and we know there's a birth, and there's a naming of John, and it's just, it's just kind of hard work sometimes to ponder. But as we prepare for Christmas, and we're in this series of t- thinking about preparing, I want to encourage you to think. It's not a novel idea, but, but think. Put some thought, ponder, and contemplate the best things. In this narrative of Luke, we're still in chapter 1. It's a long chapter, but we have jumped ahead where we're at today. We've jumped ahead about 30 verses from where we were last week. And here I'm trying to highlight just the accounts of John the Baptist. Sometimes just we kind of fly over John the Baptist on our way to Mary and Joseph heading to Bethlehem. And so we're just kind of, kind of diving into this this year. But in between verse 25, where we left off last week, and verse 57, where we where we are this week, Luke has recorded this, the narrative comes back to the angel and the angel's announcement to Mary regarding Jesus and what he will be and, and, and Mary's conversation with that angel. And then it records her visit with Elizabeth. We're not getting into that uh, this morning, but she goes down to see Elizabeth in her sixth month. And then Luke records, at least in the ESV, the title is Mary's Song of Praise, the Magnificat. And this song and... and and we're, I think we looked at that last year, I believe, or, an, or another, no, a couple of years ago it was now. And then finally we get to uh, uh, Zechariah here and Elizabeth. So just as it will be kind of when, when John and Jesus, when they grow up, John prepares for Jesus. Even here you've got this narrative of John the Baptist kind of preparing the way for baby Jesus to come. John, though, is preparatory. Jesus is the goal. The text here, though, indicates, it's, uh, before we get right to our section, it says in verse 56, Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and returned to her home. And if you do the math, it seems to me that Mary was, would have been with Elizabeth at the nine-month when John was born to her. And so I think she was there for this birth and then headed back home. But then, like I said, then Luke, he just stays. We don't follow Mary from there. We stay actually with Zechariah and Elizabeth because their story is not over. It's not, we're only in 57 and the chapter goes till verse 80. 
it's still going. God's story through them is not over. And so they and their son, they've, they've got some more preparatory purpose here before we get to the birth of Jesus in chapter 2. So we come into our text, verses 57 through 66. I'm going to try to break it down uh, into really, there's, there's kind of a fourth section at the end of verse 66, but, but the bulk of through 65 is, I'm, I'm seeing three sections here. And within each section, I want to ask three questions. So hopefully, I don't have an outline in your bulletin, but three sections here. And then within these, here's my questions for the text as we come through. First question is, what's happening? What's the event? What's going on? The second question is, what is God revealing? What's He showing here? Because I think He's showing various things. And then, so what's going on? What's God showing? And then, how do the people respond to this? Because there's a lot of response of the people here. So those questions are what we we're looking at. So look now into verse 57. As we come back to the narrative here, it says, Very briefly, now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Two things are going on here. First, the time is fulfilled for Elizabeth to give birth. We, we might kind of just brush by this that, oh, of course it came. It's nine months. That's what we know. I think, I think there's more to this. In the original language, the word for come, if you have the word now the time came, as in, you know, um, that word could also be translated, it was fulfilled, like a time was fulfilled. When I hear that, we come back, jump with me back to verse 20. Now look at verse 20 in the same chapter, coming back to when this angel pronounced this. The angel's responding now, Zechariah's you know, questioning, I mean, how, how do I know this? I'm old and so forth. And, and the angel responds, I stand in God's presence and, and you're gonna, uh, I'm going to bring you good bring you good news. I was sent to bring you good news. Then verse 20, look at verse 20. Angel still speaking to Zechariah some nine months earlier here. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words. And here's our phrase, which will be fulfilled in their time. These words of God back in verse 20 from the angel are most definitely fulfilled, and we see the fulfillment here in verse 57. God's promises are fulfilled. Now there's second something going on in this verse, and it's very obvious. She bore a son. But this is Elizabeth giving birth to a son. She who was called barren gives birth to a son. And I wonder if many of us just, I think, maybe we fail to grasp the wonder of this. Elizabeth should not be having children. This is, this is not supposed to happen. This is impossible. But what, what seems to be impossible, God has done. We looked at that last week as God uses this very thing to say to Mary, it will happen. You, the virgin will conceive. Just look at the barren one, Elizabeth. She's with child. So God is at work, and God has taken away Elizabeth's reproach and given this old couple a son. So that's what's happening. What's God revealing here? Look at verse 58. What is God revealing? Verse 58 says, And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. 
You see what he's revealing? He's revealed, God is revealed as the one who has shown mercy to Elizabeth. And so we might ask here, what does mercy have to do with this? I mean, didn't we learn, didn't Elizabeth, didn't she kind of deserve this child? I mean, they, wasn't she and Zachariah, they were blameless, they were, they were righteous. Wasn't this, this was God's reward for her godly life. But God's Word tells us that God showed mercy. And His glory is on display in merciful acts towards sinners like you and like me and like Elizabeth and Zechariah. Yes, the Bible calls them blameless, righteous. Even that is from God's mercy because they too were born in the same sin we are born under. They have the same heart problem. If we wonder about that, even Zechariah failed to believe the angel and he was graciously disciplined for it. Even he doubts, but God in His mercy brought this child to them. I think there's some brief application before we keep going on as we're asking what's God revealing? He's revealing His mercy here. There's some application for us to be slow to assign simply good things in our lives to the fact that we've lived an upright life. This good is happening because I've lived uprightly. Now, I'm going to be careful to say, walking in the ways of the Lord, in the way God intends, carries with it great benefit. You're walking in the way He has instructed us. Telling the truth is beneficial, sometimes harmful in the, in the short term, beneficial. Living in faithfulness to your husband or to your wife That's good. Fleeing from sexual immorality. That's a good thing. Running a business with integrity and on and on, etc. These are good things. They have inherent benefits to following what God has said. But the text here would remind us of what a merciful thing it is that God should grant us who are rebels in sin anything good. It's His mercy. We're quick to forget that and go, good must be coming. I'm doing pretty good. It's His mercy. We're undeserving. He abounds in love and mercy. And so we ought to praise Him. How do these neighbors, how do they respond? That's our third question of these sections. How do they respond? Do you see how they respond to mercy? To what God has done in her life? This mercy, they rejoice. Because God has shown faithful mercy to the one that was barren. Now she has a child. All right, well, fast forward eight days and look at our second section here. It's going to be verses 59 through 63. Let me just, let's come into it with verse 59 through 61. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. So what's happening here? They're circumcising and they're naming the child. Parents, we're not getting into the details of circumcision today, but the ceremony has roots in Genesis 17. That's where it comes from and where God instituted circumcision as a sign, a sign of the covenant between Himself and His people, the offspring of Abraham. That's circumcision, and there's more about it in the New Testament as the shadow becomes reality in the heart. You can look in Romans 4, Colossians, I think it's 3, other places. 
But quickly, our text moves not into more circumcision, but to a question of the name. It's about a name for this child. And I don't find commentators are kind of going, what we... We don't know if this was common practice to name the child on the day of circumcision. They're, they're not finding this commonness here, but it's worth noting, Jesus himself, too, later on in chapter 2, will be named after being circumcised. So there's some, some common thing going on here of naming on the day of circumcision. Perhaps in connection with Genesis 17, Abram became Abraham on or near that time of circumcision as well. And maybe that's where the... That's where the, the, the idea of naming the child on the eighth day. Hannah and I will need about those eight days or more to name a child. It's going to take time. Maybe that's what it was for the parents. They, just, they had time to figure it out. Um, anyway, so the, we don't know about the name. Whatever the case, in the text here, there, there, there's a bit of conflict. I don't think it's arguing back and forth, but there's conflict. There, there's a they here. You know, They would have him called Zechariah. Who's the they it's, I don't know, the neighbors, the relatives that are here. They assume that the name ought to be the father, Zechariah. Again, I don't know if there's history to this or where you know, that, that program came from. But in verse 60, Elizabeth steps in and says, no, no, he shall be called John. It's the very name that the angel had given to Zechariah back uh, so many verses earlier. Somehow, and I think there was a way the husband and wife communicated Zechariah must have, maybe he used the tablet again and said, when it's time, that's, it's got to be John. And so Mary says, he shall be called John. Now, remember the, the meaning of the name of John. This is interesting. And maybe we can go too far into meanings, but I think it's significant. John means Yahweh is gracious, or the grace of Jehovah might be an, another way to say it. But in verse 61, they argue with this. So Mary, or, <laughs> I interchange it, Mary Elizabeth. Elizabeth is saying he's going to be called John, and, and the, the they, the, the neighbors, the relatives, counter, no, no, nobody's called by this name of your relatives. They counter this. They argue. But it, as we come then into verse 62, as we're still thinking about what's happening here, all eyes seem to come to the silent one, Zechariah. And they look to him. Look at verse 62. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. Is it going to be Zechariah or is it going to be John? And he's, in a sense, he's the tiebreaker. What's, what's he going to say? In verse 63, we get the answer. He asks for a writing tablet and he wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. After nine months of silence, Zechariah acts in accord with the command of God. His name shall be John. Zechariah takes out the tablet. This isn't an, this is an old iPad. This is a tablet, no electricity. Writes it, his name is John. That's what he's to be called. So in between the doubt of verse 18, the proclamation of verse 63, God has graciously worked in His gracious discipline that when the time comes for Zechariah, Zechariah says, I'm sure about this. It's John. That's what his name is going to be. Final answer. So what's God revealing here? I'd say, for one, He's revealing grace. God is revealing grace. It's in the name, the very name of John, that Yahweh 
is gracious. And John's ministry would be part of this grace preparing the way of the Lord Himself. Isaiah 40, 3-5 goes like this. Describing this ministry. A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And what? The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God's grace once again was incarnating itself into a world of darkness. And this was through the preparatory work of one called Yahweh is gracious. How do the people respond? The same way when Zechariah had come out of the temple, or they were waiting for him to come out of the temple, and remember last week they, they wondered about this? They were wondering? It's the same word here. And they all wondered. Why are they wondering here? I think to just come back and ponder the situation, here's a barren one that now has a child. Here, and, and here's an elderly couple that now has a child that they prayed for, and I'm sure others have prayed for them, and now they have the child. And now, even both mother and father, they're united. His name shall be John. And that very name points them to God's grace. And we may not understand, I don't understand all of the, of the wonder, but they, that's how they respond in what is going on, the wonder, the amazement, the marveling at what's happening here. And somehow, I think, the wonder is connected to God's grace. Well, the wonder's not over. And in fact, it's going to turn quickly to fear. Just as Isaiah prophesied, he said, the the mouth of the Lord has spoken, while mute Zechariah is also going to speak. Look at verses 64 now and 5. And immediately... Whose mouth? Zechariah's mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke blessing God and fear came on all their neighbors and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. The Lord asks Moses, go back to Exodus 4.11, the Lord asked Moses there, he says, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? The Lord asks, is it not I, the Lord? Zechariah has obeyed. He's written it out. His name is John. His mouth was not opened at John's birth, but when tasked with the two names, it's going to be Zechariah or John, Zechariah obeys the word of God and names him John. And the first thing coming out of Zechariah's mouth is blessing. It's praise to God. His mouth is open, his tongue loosed, and what does he want to do after nine months of silence? He wants to praise and bless God. Now we're going to look at what I think is probably his blessing right in this moment or or soon after, whatever it is, this blessing as we look further in 67 through 80 next Sunday together. But Adam Clark uh, says this of Zechariah at, at this moment of the mouth being opened and the blessing of God. He says, In his nine months' silence, he had learned the proper use of his tongue. And God, 
whose power was discredited by it, is now magnified. Happy they who, in religious matters, only break silence in order to speak of the loving kindness of the Lord. These are glorious words of Zechariah, the first words. May they be our first words in the morning. They're often they're not, are they? May we bless God with what He's given us and the gifts He's given us to bless Him and praise Him. Well, what's God revealing here? That's the question, our second question of these sections. What is God revealing? I think we can at least say He's revealing power. This is, this is the one who makes man mute. He's the one who opens their mouth. And so even before John, this is well before John would come preaching in the wilderness, here he is in his birth and the narrative surrounding it. He's coming here even, I think, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn many to the Lord their God. There's, there's this fear going on. There's this God's power is on display before the people. So he's revealing his power. How do the people respond? Phobos or phobia or fear. Here's this mute one. Here's this deaf one. We get that from 62. They made signs to him. So I think mute and deaf. Here's this one who is now speaking. And not just speaking, but blessing God. Where the Lord had been silent these some 400 years since, since Malachi, and the message is he's now breaking forth. Now God is coming near and a fear came on these neighbors because God had come upon the neighbors. There's a fresh vision of God and His power and purposes of grace, naming John, and then this opening of the mouth to bless God. I think it's for them, and it ought to be as we ponder it, overwhelming and fearful. When God is at work, there's a sense of God's presence And the very next sense is a healthy fear, a reverence for this God at work amongst them. And to reverence Him. He's worthy of that reverence. Well, those are kind of those three sections. And then verse 66 gives us kind of the, I think, the the summary. Kind of a summary statement, a focus. And focuses in really on the people that heard these things. That's where it... There's Zechariah, there's Elizabeth, there's John, but the focus here is those who've heard these things. Look at verse 66. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. The news of this birth of John, all of what surrounded it, it travels into this hill country, and those who heard it, they laid it up in their hearts hearts they they pondered it they thought about it i think in the same way it doesn't have the word ponder here but i think it's very similar to mary who treasures up these things and ponders what the shepherds tell her about baby jesus but this section really ends with a question and an answer to the question what's the question in the section what then will this child be i think it's a question of pondering and wonder if, if all this, if all of what's going on here, a barren, an old couple, the name of grace, John, this mouth is open. If this, what's this child going to be? That's the wondering. And why are they thinking of this question? Here it is, because the answer, the hand of the Lord was with him. I think they're right to wonder about what this child would be. He will be, grow up to be great. Jesus himself will call him that. He's going to turn many to the Lord. He's going to call out those with 
false repentance who bear no fruit. He's going to call them out of the desert and baptize. And here in this short narrative, God is revealing Himself even now to His people through Zechariah, Elizabeth, and John. So what can we think on here? What can we ponder as we look back over this section that we've just been in? Four really short ways, I think, but I think they could all be summed up with just calling us to think again. I know that in some ways it just sounds simplistic, like be thoughtful, but it's a good reminder for us. We need to think. And look what's observed. This, just to re- review, go back in God's Word just a little bit. Number one, four ways. How, how do we look back over the section? One, rejoice that what God promises, He fulfills all the time, every time. He was faithful to grant the barren one a child. The child would prepare the way of the Lord. The Lord Jesus Himself will come as the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Rejoice in the faithful promises of God. Number two is to wonder. Not wander, W-A. Wonder, W-O-N-D-R. At the name both of John and of Jesus. Two names. God's Grace, though it's never been absent, it was coming in a new way with the coming of, of John. And then the one John would proclaim who has sandals, who is greater than I. Sandals I can't tie. This one's mightier than me. God's grace is coming. Wonder at this. And this coming one, he would be called Jesus, which means Jehovah is salvation. So there's Jehovah is gracious, there's Jehovah is salvation. The Savior's coming. The angel said to Joseph, to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Grace was preparing the way for the salvation of sinners. May we wonder today at God's grace and salvation. Number three is dealing with fear. Fear the one who opens and closes mouths. That's the one to fear. Fear him who can say to the wind, and we know this better than we did a week ago, He can say to the wind, go here, go there, be still, stop. Did you hear that wind that night? That's, that's something, there's kind of fearful with that. How much greater the God of the wind? So right kind of fear, that one. The one who says to waves, be still. That's the God that gives us life and breath and everything and our very mouths by his mercy may we praise him with the gifts he's given us fear him and then lastly really ponder ponder what god's hand is doing in john and as we come close to christmas in jesus it's a we're in a world of temptations and i don't want to just pick on our they, our phones seem like an easy target for this there's others there's there's big screen TVs. I don't know. There's, maybe it's shopping. Maybe it's head, whatever it is. Let us take time to prepare for Christmas by simply doing some old-fashioned pondering. Be thoughtful. You may need to find a closet or a bathroom door and lock it. You may need to find a place to just be silent and ponder grace and salvation and power and might of one who would mercifully come for sinners. As we close, I want to I help you with that, with the words from what the Doberinses played for us this morning. This is the words to what they played for us 
And I want you to ponder them as we close. Remember the questions? Starts off, I won't sing it to you. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Who is this child? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping. This, this is Christ the King. Whom shepherds guard, angels sing, haste, haste to bring Him laud. That's praise. Be quick to bring Him praise. This babe, the Son of Mary. You see Him in the manger? The next question, why lies He in such mean estate where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christians fear for sinners here. The silent word is pleading. How does this word come? What happens? Nails, spear shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. So bring him incense, bring him gold and myrrh. Come peasant, come king. What a range. He's not for the rich. He's for the poor. And all. Come. You're a king? Come to Him. You're lowly? Come to Him. The King of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone Him. Raise, raise a song on high. The virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy for Christ is born. The babe, the son of Mary. Let's pray. Lord, if we are to ponder and be thoughtful, we, we who are stuck in ruts of catching the latest news or doing five million things other than thinking on You, we need help. Would You help us this week? Perhaps as things slow down, perhaps they just get busier, may we carve out time to ponder. And may it not just be a Christmas thing. We, we, need, we need margin in our lives to ponder and to think on You. Think on the best things. So Lord, even in our anxiousness, in our worry, in our fret, whatever is going on, Lord, may we pause with eyes that come and may we declare joy, joy, for Christ is born. Our Savior is born. Our sins are forgiven by trusting You, looking to You by Your mercy. We are reconciled with you for eternity. May we rejoice in you and bless your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.